Hello and welcome to the Enjoy Church podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope this message empowers, equips, and helps you become everything God has called you to be. Enjoy the message. We're going to get into the Word. How many of you, have, how many of you brought your keys to church? Give me a wave if you've got some keys. Praise God. All right, come back, come back. How many of you got your keys this morning? Who's got keys? How many of you drove a car to church today? I've got to be careful. These are steel, so I just, I've got to be careful. I hit myself in the head in the first service. Put a big dent there. It's like, it's not good. All right, how many? Oh, all right. Aussie cricket team. Where are the New Zealanders in the house? <laughs> just saying. Just saying. Anyway, moving right along. Praise God. How many of you have got keys? How many of you drove to church? How many of you used a key to start your car or electric key or whatever, fob or whatever you want to? How many of you had a key to start your car? How many of you stole your neighbor's car? Good. Keys are still important, all right? Important. You got to, you don't want to be stealing cars. If you don't want to steal, you need the key. You all need keys. How many of you are going to go home to your house? Yeah. How many of you got keys to get into your house? How many of you have worked out? Keys are important. We need keys. Why don't we give it up for the worship team? They can go. Praise God. We're going to start this morning. We're going to start a three-part series that has the potential to unlock the rest of your life. And I say the potential. How many of you know potential is an interesting word? Potential is a great thing when you're like 15 years of age and everyone is saying, man, that kid has got potential. You don't want to be the guy, though, at the funeral who's in the coffin and everybody's talking about the potential that you had. How many of you know you don't want to be that guy? Unfulfilled or unrealized potential is not a good thing. Potential at the beginning of the story is a wonderful thing. Potential at the end of the story isn't necessarily a great thing. But today as we start this series, I have no doubt it's only a three-part series. Some, some were expecting to get all three keys at the beginning of today uh, from the first service, but it's like, no, 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 we're just going to get one key out today. And I honestly believe it has the potential to unlock the rest of your life. I'm not coming to you with fancy words today. I'm not coming to you with, uh, it's not all scripted out in the sense that you, you, you got to, got to, got to. It's not like that at all. What it is, it's a revelation that Georgie and I have discovered. We We've learned, we've, we've put into practice for the last whatever amount of years, 35 years. And <clears throat> I can promise you, if you will embrace the key and begin to use it in your life, then you're going to see what your dreams become a reality. You're going to see what God has planned for you, what God has destined for you, become your reality. How many of you want that? Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. How many of you want that? Yeah. All right, you know how it's going to be today. I'm coming after you. Is that okay? As in, I want you to get it. I'm a, I'm a father, and now I'm a grandfather. Praise God. I can promise you this, because I know we've got other granddads in the house. For me, as a, I love being a father, but being a grandfather is so much better. It's like grand, you know what I'm saying? I love being a parent, but being a grand... If I had known grandparent was going to be this much fun, I would have done it first. You know what I'm saying? I would have gone straight to being a grandparent. You're like, can you do that? I'm not too sure. I just would have gone to the hospital, got the kids, gave them back and gone looking for grandkids. Grandkids are awesome because you get to have the best of them, then you give them back. Give them back and then you pick them up a week later and it's like, let's party kids. It's awesome. I'm a granddad. I'm a father. I'm a brother. I'm a friend. I'm a pastor. I'm a whatever you want me to be. But this thing I promise you, what I want most for you and for your life 
is for you to live the plans and the purposes that God has got for you. Georgie and I, when we came into Christ and in the kingdom of God, we stumbled in many ways across many things and we discovered many things. We discovered keys that weren't necessarily taught to us line upon line, but we discovered them by the goodness and the grace of God. I thank God that here we are now, 35 or 6 or 7 years later, in the kingdom of God. And I'm able to come to you and just say to you, here are the keys. Here are the keys. I'm not looking to give you anything necessarily that's not in the word of God, but they're things from the word of God that we have discovered that we can give to you. And if you use them, I say if you use them, because God has got a life for you to unlock. God has got a kingdom for you to unlock. We've used them in our life and we've seen that they work and we've seen that they're true. But God wants you to take hold of the keys and use them that you might step into everything that God has got for you. I'm sure and certain that if you're born again and a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, that you've probably worked out that the kingdom of God in many ways is a dichotomy within you. There's opposing realities. There's like, there's like division and opposition. And it's like, it's like this thing is at work. And, and sometimes we get it. Sometimes we understand it. Sometimes we don't. In many ways, there are, there are natural laws that seem to be in complete opposition to spiritual laws. Most of us were born the natural way. It's interesting even in that, isn't it? That Jesus, when he's talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he talks about the, the natural and the spiritual. You've got to be born again. How many of you were born once? Give me a wave if you've been born once. Praise God, at least 70% of you. For the rest of the embryos that are in the room today, we hope you arrive with us soon. All right. So, so most of us have been born once. So, uh, uh, yeah, man. It's like, I'm here. So, all right. So we've been born once, but we need to be born again. It's like, even in this, this is hard to understand. And it's like, Nicodemus is like, what, what's happening here? Can I enter back into my mother's womb? I don't know about you, but I don't want to think about that. I'm like, just shut the gate. You know what I'm saying? It's like, ah, ah, ah. all right. So, but that's the question that's being asked of Jesus. No, 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 no. You're born in the natural. You're born in the spiritual. You've got these two worlds at work. Sometimes they seem to be in opposition to each other, but they're not. The spiritual will always trump the natural. Jesus said, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself alone. But if it dies, it produces what? Much fruit. So you're telling me to produce much fruit, I've first got to die. In the natural, it seems wacky. In the spiritual, this is how it works. This is a spiritual law that overshadows and trumps, God bless you, Donald, natural laws. All right? So the spiritual is always going to trump the natural. So we come to Christ through the precious gift of salvation. If you haven't already, we'll give you the opportunity to come to Christ before the end of the service. We come to Christ through this precious gift, but we need to then embrace a world of learning. All right. Lean in now. Teacher Shane is in the house. And it's like, Teacher Shane, call me whatever you want. I don't care what you call me. I just want to help you that you might be made into the image of Christ and live the life that he has got for you. Because it's a good life. Amen? It's a good life. Give God praise if you believe it's a good life. Give God praise if you're believing for a good life. So, but we need to embrace a world of learning because of the dichotomy of the kingdom of God. So now as we prepare for chapter 2, I want to do all that I can to help you ready yourself. I can't ready you. 
I can help you. I can assist you. I can give to you. But you are the ones, you are the brothers, you are the sisters that need to ready yourselves that you might embrace the newest and the greatest chapter of your life. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I like that. The, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The church is coming. The church is coming to set captives free. The church is coming to see people healed. The church is coming to see families reconciled. The church is coming to bring transformation. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church when the church knows who they are. We've got to know, excuse me, who we are. All right. He then went on to say in verse 19, that I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Praise God. Not just the key. And I know we've done a sermon around this sort of thing before, but I want to go here again because we're getting ready for 2024. How many of you know chapter 2 begins with you? You've got to take the keys that Jesus has given, begin to unlock the areas of your life that you need to be freed in that you might live the life that God has got for you. And so it says here, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will also be loosed in heaven. These keys are not easily understood. The, the reason most people can't discover them by himself is because they're not easily understood. They're not easy to understand. In many ways, they're challenging because they fly in the face of human wisdom. You know as well as I do. I look across here. We've got so many young people in, in, in church today. So many young people that are coming through a school system which from my point of view, is largely in many places morally bankrupt, spiritually bankrupt. We then go off to universities and we're taught all sorts of madness, madness. And there's a lot, of, a lot of things in those spaces that is good, but there's a lot of things that's whacked, just straight out crazy. But how many of you know God has got keys for you? God has got keys for you. We live in a world where there's lots of worldly wisdom, but Jesus wants to take us into another paradigm where we can learn from him, we can glean from him, and we can understand things that are of a spiritual nature that we've never really understood. These things, these keys, are for the spiritually discerning. Spiritually discerning. Yeah, I have no doubt you're intelligent. I have no doubt you're smart. I have no doubt you have your wits about you, but do you have your spiritual wits about you? Are you growing in spiritual wisdom and understanding the dichotomy and understanding the worlds that are at war with each other and laying hold of the keys of the kingdom of God to unlock what Christ has got for you? Isaiah says in chapter 55, verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. How many of you know we've all got our ways? How many of you have grown up in a family? Did your family have its ways? Are you practicing the ways of the family? It's interesting, you know, we, we just do what we're taught to do. We, we grow up in environments and we're taught this is the way. But God says, your ways are not my way. Your ways are not my ways and your thoughts are not my thoughts. This is also what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. says here, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. 
What does God want to do? He wants to change the way you think. God wants to change the way I think, Georgie thinks, we all think. How many of you have got some stinking thinking? Praise God, four of you. For the rest of you, you live in denial. You live in denial. Uh, yes, I, that's a bit harsh. No, it's true. I think a lot of us live in denial in regards to a whole lot of areas of our life. How many of you know denial is not a river in Egypt? That is the Nile. That's completely different. But we, we camp in this place of denial. And we're happy to live here. But how many of you know our life doesn't prosper and we don't move into what God has got for us? So we need to look at some things and realize that maybe, maybe God is actually wanting, really wanting to change the way I think. Then you will know what God wants you to do. And you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. So here we go. The first kingdom key. All right. I've got three of them. Praise God. Who got these keys for us? These are awesome. They look like prison keys. Huh? Ah. I've always been a bit sus on you. Anyway, whatever. They look like prison keys. We've got a big one. It's like the, the three little bears, isn't it? But you've got the big one, you've got the little one, you've got the middle one. Which one should we do this week? The middle. Little. Little. In, in honor of your wife? Praise God. It's like, what are you, what are you, what are you talking about before? When you were talking about little, three little weeks or... Tiny weeks or quick weeks? Or I can't remember. Anyway, whatever. All right. I thought, you're only, you're only saying they're tiny weeks because you're tiny. But anyway, moving right along. How many? Uh, doesn't matter. All right. Chapter 2. Here we go. Here we go. Chapter 2. We'll, we'll, we'll go for the little key. We'll start at the beginning. Is that okay? I actually think in many ways. Now, I'm going to go to the big key. I'm going to go to the big key. So why are we going here? Because if you don't get this, I promise you, the rest of it won't make sense. It's almost as, as simple as that. As in, you know what I thank God for? I thank God for men in my life, our lives, that had no problem looking at us in the eye and telling us what was what. Lovingly. Speaking the truth in love. It's like, there's a, there's a lot of spaces on planet Earth today where you are not allowed to speak truth anymore because we offend people. It's like, praise the Lord. Jesus said you're going to be offended. Why do we get so upset about being offended? If, you haven't, if you've never been offended in church, you haven't been in a good church. If you've never been offended by a pastor, you've never had a good pastor. It's like, ah, praise God, I'm liking this teaching. Keep going, Shane. Bury yourself. Just keep going. Ah, I promise you, we need men and women in our life that will speak the truth in love to us. I promise you. And so that's why we're going to call this one the big key. We'll go backwards. All right, here we go. The first key. Are you ready? For all of you taking notes, here we go. The first key, kingdom key, that we're going to look at is fellowship. Fellowship. No, not fellowship. I know you're Christians and you understand fellowship. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about fellowship. And not leadership. No, 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 no. I know we prefer to go there. Let's talk about leadership. That's sexy. Praise God in the kingdom of God. Everybody in the kingdom of God wants to talk about leadership. No, we want to talk about first key. The biggest key is actually fellowship. Everyone say fellowship. Now, how many of you know fellowship is not a word, but it is now because I'm using it. They say if you use it three times, it's a word. Fellowship, fellowship, fellowship. All right, praise God. So as believers, we've all heard of fellowship and we desire leadership. But what is fellowship? What is fellowship? 
Fellowship is the kingdom key that the devil does not want you to discover. I promise you, he will do everything to prevent you from becoming a follower. He doesn't want you to be a follower. You can sign up for the leadership course. You can sign up for the giving course. You can sign up for the serving course. But please do not. The enemy would hate you to become a true follower. He doesn't want you to become a follower. Now, already some of us are having a bit of a meltdown on the inside because we're in a state of conflict because so much of our ambition, study, development has leadership in mind. But Christ's first calling to all of us isn't to leadership. It's actually to fellowship. It's that we would follow him. Think about it when Jesus called Peter. Was it to leadership or fellowship? Anybody? Fellowship. You know the answer because I'm asking the question. It's a rhetorical question. And you're like, well, that's easy. I understand. He, called, he was called to follow. But you say, and I get it, Peter eventually became a great leader. Yes, he did become a great leader in the early church. There's no doubt about that. But there's no doubt about it. Before he became a great leader, he responded to a clear and distinct invitation, which was to follow. Follow, follow, follow. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter. Why wasn't he just called Peter? Forget Simon. I don't know. But Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. That's what fishermen do. All right. For they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. I don't know about you. For me personally, this year has been the craziest year of my life. You know that. I know that. We all know. We all know the story. But this one thing I, I'm, I'm resolved about. I do not want to be a self-made man. I do not want to be a self-made man. I, I want to be a Jesus-made man. I want to be someone who, is, who has got the, 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 the thumbprint, as it were, of Jesus. I want whatever my life amounts to at the end of the day, I want people to be able to say, that is not a shame thing, that is a God thing. As in, one of the things I love about Enjoy Church, anybody who knows and loves Enjoy Church understands that, that what has happened here, what has happened around their locations, it's not about us, but it's a move of God. I want to be a God-made man. I want God to be glorified in our marriage. I want God to be glorified in my family. I want God to be glorified in our church. Anybody else? Amen. We, we want God and God's signature to be in and over everything. I want Jesus. I want to be a Jesus-made man. The only way we will have Jesus make us into what he desires us to become is by embracing and committing to this kingdom key of Followship, followership. The centurion was commended by Jesus. I, I love this story because he ain't part of the family at this point in time, but he's got a revelation. I, I love this. I love it when God speaks in men and women's lives and they get something from God and it changes their whole life and it changes their whole future. The centurion was commended by Jesus in Scripture for he tapped into the key of fellowship. All right. You're like, I thought, he was, I thought he had a revelation about authority. You're absolutely right. The centurion was commended by Jesus in Scripture, but he tapped into the key of fellowship by way of his revelation of authority. In fact, what Jesus commended him for was, in fact, his great faith. How many of you know it takes great faith, great understanding to become a true follower in the kingdom of God? 
In Matthew chapter 8 from verse 9, it says, For I myself, this is the centurion speaking now, for I myself am a man under authority. All right, so I'm under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I I say to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished because he's not yet part of the family, but, but he's got something. He's astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I don't know whether that is a slut to the Israel crew or a celebration of the centurion. I tend to think it's a celebration of the centurion. The centurion understood that his authority didn't come from the hundred soldiers that were under him, but as a direct result of following the first ranking centurion over him in the legion that he belonged to. His, His authority came from whom he followed, not from how many he led. This is a dichotomy. We're all looking for promotion. We're all looking for position. We're all looking to be elevated over. But this man has authority because he knows who he's under. He knows who he's following. So enjoy as in your faith walk. Can I ask you a question today? Going to get real personal here. Who are you following? Who are you following? Now, I have no doubt about it. There's lots of spiritual men and women in the house that would say, Jesus! And I would say, good for you. Good for you. Well done. Good job. You're following Jesus. Now, just so we're clear, as I take a bit of a poke at that, I'm not really. If you're following Jesus first, praise God. That's the way it should be. We follow Jesus. We are Christians. We are followers of Christ. But if it's only Jesus... If it's only Jesus, then there's something wrong with your theology. Because as you go back to Genesis through to, Revela- through to the book of Revelation, you're going to see that when people come into relationship with God, typically normally, 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 <laughs> normally the way is that God is going to uh, bring you under someone to follow. Someone to follow. You know what I've noticed? When, when it comes to me following Jesus... And I follow Jesus. I'm in the Word of God. I'm in the Spirit of God. I'm in the presence of God. But there are some things that God is wanting to say to me that I do not want to hear. I don't want to hear what He's got to say to me at times. But how many of you know it's a whole lot harder when you have a pastor that loves you sitting across from you, looking at you in the eyes, calling you out? When Jesus calls me out, how many of you, you know, no, just me. So often when Jesus calls me out, I don't want to hear. That's why Jesus puts people in our life. My desire is to become like Jesus. Jesus' desire is that I become like him, which is why he puts men and women in our lives who can call us out. Can I ask you a question today? Who do you have in your life today who can look at you in the eyes and call you out on behavior on attitudes, on speech, on actions? Who do you have in your life that you have given freedom to call you out? Do you have anybody? As in, I have people in my life that can call me out. My wife, my children, our vision team have the numbers and know who to call if I'm being a punk. Now, I'd be the only man in this room that's ever a punk. I have issues. 
And some of you are like, we know, you've told us about them. No, I've got other issues. It's called being a man, being transformed into the image of Christ. But it's a journey and sometimes, now to this point, I don't know that you've ever had to ring the people that are there, but there are people that can, Georgie can call, my family can call. There are people. And it's like, who put them in place? Did they put, No, I put them in place because I need to have a pastor too. I need to have someone in my life that can help me be transformed into the image of Christ. We're getting really real in here today, aren't we? I, it's quiet, but I can tell it's a good quiet. It's like, as in, I don't, as in, you don't know. You don't know whether you're really excited about this message or hate this message. But we're all in this together. We all want to grow into the image of God. That's the point. All right, so who are you following? As I said, you can say Jesus, but if it's just Jesus, you're missing out on what God wants to do in your life. Hebrews 13, verse 17. What does it say here? Let's look at the scripture. It says here, obey your... <laughs> all right, all together. All right. How many of you know this is not the book of shame? This is God's book. So it says obey. Some of us are like, ah! obey your what? How many of you have got leaders? They're the people that can look at you in the eye and call you out and encourage you, and love you, and thank God for you, and call you out, because that is how it works, isn't it? Rebuking, correcting, and encouraging. It's like, that's what we do. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men, men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy and enjoy, praise the Lord. Their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. It doesn't say that would be of no advantage to your leaders. No, the advantage is for you. How many of you want the advantage in chapter 2? Praise God. Eight of you. How many of you want the advantage in chapter 2? We all want the advantage. If we want the advantage, what do we do? We obey our leaders. We follow our leaders and we, we lean into their instruction. My encouragement to you is simply embrace the kingdom key of fellowship and follow your leaders, those who must give an account for your life. Now, I know, you know, we all know, we get it, that leaders haven't always behaved wisely. Might be news to some of you, but for most of us in the room, we understand it. Many leaders in government, in community, in schools, Families, and dare I say it, even the church, many leaders have abused their authority and positions of leadership. We get it. We understand it. But that doesn't change or negate the call to the kingdom key of fellowship. Wouldn't it be good if it's like, yeah, we get it, but you don't know my story. You know, leaders have hurt me. Leaders have da 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 I get it. Wouldn't it be good if we could just take all the pages out of the Bible that weren't working for us? And it's like, well, you don't know my story. This happened and this happened and this happened. If you've been hurt by leaders, we've been hurt by leaders too. Welcome to planet Earth. Leaders aren't God. God is God. But his ways are still his ways and his keys are still his keys. And so we come under authority because we know that it's under authority. We actually get authority. All right. So let's look at some of the truths from our key verse today. 
Matthew chapter 4 from verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men at once. At once, at once, at once, they left their nets and followed him. Three words that come to mind around the key of fellowship. Here we go. Point number one. All right. Fellowship needs to be immediate. Immediate. How many of you, how many of you hear the word of the Lord and I'll get around to it? You've heard the word of God. I'm going to get around to it. Let me ask you a question. What was the last instruction Jesus gave to you? Getting real personal today, eh? What was the last instruction Jesus gave to you? My next question is a simple one. Have you done it? <laughs> Have you done it? It's like, oh, but he only asked me four months ago. No, 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 no. Have you done it? How many of you are talking to Jesus every day? What was the last thing he asked of you? What was the last thing he instructed you to do? Have you done it? What was the last thing your leader asked you to do? Your leader. And some of you are like, but I don't have a leader. Friends, can I encourage you? All right, we're getting ready. We're preparing ourselves for 2024. We're believing chapter 2 is going to be unbelievable. How many of you are believing that? Chapter 2 begins with you. Can I encourage you? Put yourself in a place where you have a leader. You say, but I come to church and you're our leader. The reality is, yes, I am, but no, I'm not. If we don't have a relationship, if we're not sitting together and we're not talking together, I'm not the leader that you need me to be. I'm one of a number of leaders in your life, but you need a leader. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord, they're the ones that are going to flourish. They're the ones that have a direct upline that someone can speak into their life. Come follow me, Jesus said. At once they left their nets and followed him. At once. I don't know about you, I've been slow on the uptake at times. I remember when I was called into ministry, probably 1993, at a guess, thereabouts. I remember, and some of you know the story, if you've heard the story, forgive me, but we're going to go here again just because it'll help some. I remember in 1993, it was the middle of summer, as in, so, in the, probably end of 92, beginning of 93. It's the end, it's the end of summer, it is stinking hot, 42 degrees. We're living in Albury. We're going out past Holbrook onto a property to pull down a house. Many of you know that before I was a pastor, I was a carpenter, like our Lord and Saviour. You might have heard that. And so, so, we, so we were building and pulling houses down at this particular time. We're going out of this farmhouse. We're, we're getting up at 3 a.m. in the morning. We're driving out there, setting up the compressor, getting the lights going, the generator, getting the lights going. And we're pulling down brick chimneys in the middle of these paddocks. It is stinking hot. It's filthy work. It's whatever. But that's what I'm doing. Georgie was a receptionist, the hottest receptionist in the world. Oh, anyway. And so that's what she was doing. And so we're married, by the way. We're married. And so, so she's at work. I come home at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It's stinking hot. So what do you do? This is what I do. I get myself showered up because I've been working in, out there. I get myself showered up, jump under the doona like a, like a little light, fluffy little doona. How many of you love a good doona? I get under there and I do my little star jumps. You know what I'm saying? How many of you do star jumps when you jump under the doona? Like, ah. No one? Yes, I see that hand. Praise God. All right. So that's what I do. I, I love my bed. Anyone love their bed? Oh, my Lord, I love you know, it. Like, yeah. Unbelievable. And then I've got a pillow. How many of you love a pillow? 
Oh, I'm in love with my pillow. I've, I've been with my pillow longer than I've been with Georgie. <laughs> true story. True story. I've had my pillow for about 54 years. And it's like, that's disgusting. It's got dribble all the way through. It's like, if you can imagine, like, can you imagine, like, I don't know what you'd imagine. It'd be like egg, egg containers. You know the egg containers? And then you dribble onto them and, you, and then it just becomes flat like cardboard. That's my pillow. I take my pillow wherever I travel, all around the world. It's got more passport stamps than, than my children have. I take my, anyway, it's my pillow. So I'm in bed doing my little star jumps. And it's like, I'm going to go to sleep, waiting for George to come home. Can start going to sleep. And the Lord said to me, as clear as clear, get out of bed. Go around, speak to Pastor John, and ask him to prepare you for ministry. I'm like, oh, I heard from God. That's unbelievable. So guess what I did? I went to sleep. I went to sleep. I heard the Lord clearly, but I went to sleep. Now, you would have never have done that, so forgive me. I'm showing my humanity. So the next day, I'm out at the farm again. I come home, 2 o'clock, jump, run through the shower, oh, do my hair, and then, as if, and then I jump in the bed and do my little star jumps again and, and pull my pillow close, and, and then I'm going to go to sleep again. And the Lord says, it's clear as clear. I don't have lots of these days where the Lord speaks so clearly, but this day, it's like, the Lord says, Shane, get out of bed. By this time, you know that father authority voice coming in? The day before, it's like, eh. So now it's like, get out of bed. Go around, speak to Pastor John, ask him to prepare you for ministry. And I'm like, yeah, that's two days in a row. That's awesome. And then guess what I did? I went to sleep again. (laughs) How many of you know this is not necessarily, it's not maybe encouraging you, but it's real. And so day three comes along. So same thing, run through the shower, jump in the bed, do my little star jumps. (sighs) The Lord says, Shane, get out of bed. Go around, see Pastor John, and ask him to prepare you for ministry. And I'm like, yes, Lord, I'm going to do that. And I closed my eyes. And he said, now. I've got to tell you, I was up. I jumped out of bed. I ran down the driveway. I then ran back and put my jocks on. Then I ran back and jumped in the car, and I'm off. I went and knocked on Pastor John's door. I said, Pastor John, I really feel the Lord has called me to come and ask you to prepare me for ministry. And he, this is what he said. I promise you, this is what he said. I've been waiting for you. That's what he said. As clear as clear. I've been waiting for you. And he says, but now we need to wait for your friend. That's what he said to me. I'm like, my friend. Two days later, my friend, who didn't know what I'd done, went and knocked on his door and asked exactly the same thing. For the next three years, every Thursday afternoon, we would go and sit in his house and he would get us ready for ministry. Our response when we hear the word of the Lord needs to be immediate. When you hear God call, when you hear the call to follow, get out of bed. Get out of bed and go and follow. Put on your underpants. Praise God. Here we go. Point number two. Are you ready? Followership will be irrational. Followership will be irrational. I wish I could say it's rational, but it's irrational. It's crazy like local. What sort of God would ask us to be willing to leave everything to follow him? Come follow me, Jesus said. Doesn't he realize they're family guys, they've got the family business, they've got, doesn't he know what's happening in their life? And yet he asks and he expects these men to come and follow. 
What sort of God would ask this? That's what we read about in Philippians chapter 2, reading from verse 5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, 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 God, whenever you see a therefore, join this passage to this passage. It's like the bridge. It's like, so this is what's happened. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We humble ourselves. You know, following someone else, following Jesus is humbling in itself to a degree. But then following someone else is even more humbling. We humble ourselves and in time God exalts us. Many of us want to be exalted, but exalt that doesn't happen until we humble ourselves. We follow our leaders and in time we fulfill the call and the purpose of God upon our lives. Fellowship isn't a path for the rational, but the path of the irrational. In following Pastor John, we followed Pastor John for five and a half years. Now, you heard I'm getting up at three, having sleep in the afternoon, ding ding. At this time, most of this time, I'm working 50 hours a week, traveling up to 10 hours a week going back and forward to farms and Wagga and wherever the case may be. I'm in 10 meetings a week. Why was I in 10 meetings a week? Because that's what my pastor expected of me. I'm, now, just so you know, we're not going here. All right? Now, and is this over the top? I'm not too sure. But he wanted me in 10 meetings a week. Five of those meetings, Georgie and I led. On Sunday, we were in three services in three different locations. We would set up church, do church, pack up church, Set up church, do church, pack up church. And then at 6 o'clock in the Albury Civic Centre, we would set up church, do church, pack up church every Sunday. And this went on and on and on. I've got to tell you, we were stretched, stretched. <laughs> he would say, we're enlarging your capacity. Enlarging our capacity? Is that what you call it? You're enlarging our capacity. What do you think you're preparing us to do? to lead a church of thousands of people in 15 locations across three nations? Is that what you're preparing us to do? Ah. That's, a, hmm. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? I promise you, if it wasn't for those days, and they were brutal, if it wasn't for those days, we would not be able to do what we're doing today. Maybe as our pastor, maybe Pastor John knew and could see something that we couldn't see. Huh. Maybe he could see something that would need to happen in us for us to be made ready for what God had for us. Maybe fellowship requires us to accept at times irrational, illogical, unreasonable. Huh. i got to tell you, just being really honest, there were days when we were under that pastor that weren't, Always joy. I remember one day him calling me out in front of the congregation. I will never do this, just so we're clear. He called me out in front of the congregation 
And with the microphone in his hand, he went after me. I promise you, I'm not exaggerating when I'm saying I wanted to put this foot back. I grew up on the football field. I knew how how it works. I wanted to put this foot back and punch the old guy right in the face. And they're like, well, that's not very honouring. No, it wouldn't have been honouring if I had done it. I said I wanted to. You know the worst part about what he said? Is it was true. (laughs) It was true. What I'd been feeling, maybe what I'd been saying in places I shouldn't have been saying them. He'd been away for three months and yet the Lord had shown him where I was at. I will never do that. That ain't going to be my style. But you know what? I needed a man that would look me in the eye and tell me what's really going on and where I needed to change. It didn't kill me. And I didn't get offended and leave. These days, everybody wants to leave. It's like, oh, you burnt the baked beans. I think I'll leave because I'm offended. We're in a workplace and it's like, you called me a man. I think I'll leave. So we're, we're living in a really complicated, crazy place where no one's prepared to follow anyone. But fellowship is the way of God. Fellowship is the way of God. I could have got offended on that day. There was another day in Wagga when we were in a men's camp. Oh, man. What he said to me in front of the other brothers. I wanted him to take him out and put him on the barbecue. I wanted to sacrifice him. Oh, it's so dark. Oh, it's so, you know, man, I was like, in my heart, I was, I'm walking, I promise you this, it was, it's a, it's, this is now the middle of winter. I'm in Wagga, out the middle of, past Wagga. It's 2 a.m. in the morning, and I'm walking out there complaining to God, because God was the only one that was listening to me. So I'm out there walking with the Lord, and the Lord said, you know, he's right. And I'm like, that's not what I wanted to hear. You know he's right. And I, to be honest, this is what I did. I started laughing. Because once again, I'm busted. I'm busted. The heart of man is evil, wicked. We need other men and women that we will follow that can look at us in the eye because they love us and say, you've got to address this issue in your life. There's a lot of people who want to be in church, but not a lot of people want to follow And I understand why. We've all been hurt by leaders. But at the end of the day, God's word is God's word. God's word is God's word. Point number three, fellowship requires intentionality. Matthew chapter 4 verse 20 says, At once they left their nets and followed him. At once they got up and they followed him. Remember when Elijah called Elijah to follow him? 1 Kings chapter 19 verse 21. So Elijah left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Praise God. Barbecue time. Asada. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. He gave it all up. Come follow me. It's like, don't you realize I've got a business? Don't you realize I've got a life? Don't you realize I've got a family? Peter left his nets, which was, of course, his livelihood. 
Elisha slaughtered his oxen and burned his plowing equipment, there was no turning back. There's no turning back. I'm a follower of Christ and I know who I'm called to follow. I know who's my authority. Yes, Jesus, you are my Lord. You are my God. You are my Savior. But you put me in a church, in a body where I might follow whoever it is that you are calling me to follow. I remember George and I had had entered ministry and I had a trailer out in the carport that had all my tools in it. And the Lord said, it's time for you to sell your tools. And I'm like, I'm not selling my tools. He's like, Shane, it's time for you to sell your tools. I said, you sell my tools. I'm not selling them. I said, how many of you have arguments with God? It's like, and you, you might be like, no, you're meant to be like the guy that hears and responds immediately. I've always been a bit naughty. You know what I'm saying? It's like, God is still working on me. This is 27 years ago. I'm like, I don't want to sell my tools. They're who I am. This is how I make my living. My dad was a carpenter. I'm a carpenter. This is my trade. It's what I do. The Lord's like, it's what you did. Are you going to follow me or you're not? So I sold my tools. So much. I got to tell you, it was hard. Because like, that was a moment. It's like, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. Wherever you take me, I'm going to follow you. Huh. Elisha, his intent was to follow his pastor until the Lord swept him away. But because he was following his pastor, when he was swept away, the mantle that was on his pastor fell and came upon him. Huh. We all know, you know, you know your Bibles. As a result, Elisha literally did twice as many miracles as Elijah. Why did that happen? Because when Elijah asked Elisha, what can I do for you? Elisha was bold enough, gutsy enough, is another term, but I won't use it, enough to say, I want a double portion of what's on your life. Georgie said, ballsy. I wasn't going to say it. I wasn't going to say it. it I want a double portion of what is on your life. Sorry, Bobby, you just came out. I want a double portion of what is on you. How many of you know that's a courageous thing to ask? But when Elijah got taken up, the mantle came down and he did twice as much. This concept of fellowship, it's hard. Pastor John led 80 people. I promise you, I followed him until he released us. There was a point where we asked to be released and he said no. And I said, So what did we do? We worked hard for another year. And then he said to us, it's time for you to go. We will send you with blessing. The mantle fell and was multiplied.